Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. My name is Dave Pryor, and I'm here with my friend Chris Leith. Chris, thanks for taking time out of your day. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's uh, as always, it's a pleasure to see you. And, and you too. And we've been planning on doing this for a really long time, but there's been a million things that get in the way. Chris and I seem to be teaching on opposite days, and you had the Agile Conference, and then you had Evo, and a bunch of other stuff. So you've been kind of busy as well, right? Absolutely. It's like so people say, you know, ships in the night. It's almost like pass each other at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport almost. <laughs> Except it's COVID, so it's all virtual. Yeah, it's all virtual. Zoom ships. Um, so before we, we have a bunch of stuff we're going to go through that uh, somebody who took one of my classes sent in. But before we do that, Chris, would you give these people a quick rundown on your origin story and what you do at Sparkplug? Absolutely. So uh, Dave and I have known each other for a number of years, and he's uh, someone I, I lean on for, for advice, for counsel, and for friendship. And so, like, it's always great to do I'm shorter, like too. So he is a little shorter, so, so there's that. Uh, but at Sparkplug Agility, I'm, I was telling somebody over this past weekend when I was out, uh, I was out on travel, I was like, what exactly do you do? And the, the lighthearted version that I always like to say is I tell jokes, but, but the real and emotional way is I really like to try to impact people's lives in a positive way and through making them smile, giving as much of myself as I can um, in a number of facets. That's what we try to spend time on. Mixture of speaking engagements, you know, keynotes, meetups, big speaking okay. type things like that. Love to do that. Professional coaching, uh, not in the advice giving here, the buttons you click type coaching, but actually like helping leaders and executives kind of unlock things and get to their inspired future. Providing okay. consulting. Here's uh, here's some recommendations, things you could think of. And along with what you've heard of from Dave, who's an amazing trainer and someone I look up to, we offer a, a, a wide range of learning experiences, focusing in on organizational type shifts, uh, leadership, executive type stuff, and uh, working a lot with aspiring instructors. That's where a lot of the wind in my sails is now. So that's in a nutshell, that's what we do. So if you wanted to take a look at what we do, sparkplugagility.com and uh, love to have a conversation. It'll be right. right there across the bottom right of the there. screen. All right, cool. Now that we have that out of the way, out of the way, uh, I reached out to Chris because I got uh, a request from a student who outlined something that they were dealing with at work, and I'm just going to provide some of the highlights. I'm going to open this up here. Um, so this is a person who who took uh, CSM and CSPO class, and then wrote and was explaining some of the stuff that they're they're struggling with. The question um, that they asked was. How do we deal with it when we have a PO who can't prioritize or won't prioritize the backlog and lets the tech lead um, kind of decide what we need to do? Um, and also all the, the dev team members are taking like side work special projects within the organization. Now, to complicate that, because that's a, you know, a problem by itself, we have some challenges there. Um, this is a, a team that is spread across multiple time zones and countries. They do have a two-hour overlap, but the team um, is working on over 30 different applications. There are 35 dedicated team members and other people that come and go as they are needed. Um, they're trying to make sure that everybody is fully utilized, maximized you know, at all times. So 17 of the team members are offshore. The rest are onshore. They're doing sprints that are four or five weeks long, depending on the work that they plan into them. Um, they spend uh, one hour a week or one hour in their retrospective for their four to five week sprint, one hour for sprint planning. Um, it's, it's hard. 
it's hard to get the words out. When I was reading this, I was just like, oh, my God. Um, and I and I called the person and I was like, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things going on here. And these are things that this person can't control. That someone mm-hmm. who who totally understood what we were talking about in class, like got the point of it and is trying to be a champion for Agile in their organization. And every time I talk to them, they're like, well, how do I convince the rest of the company that it's not a good idea to have a four or five week sprint with 30 people on the team and spend one hour in sprint planning? Um, so I guess maybe we can talk about it. Chris, we can start out of it from like the organizational stuff that mm-hmm. we were talking about before, but, um, I do want to keep in mind that at the, by the end of the podcast, we want to provide some tactical stuff, like some other than like huffing glue in the car before Roger that something this person can do to get through <laughs> the day and help things get better. Um, so where do you want to start? I wouldn't mind staying a little bit zoomed out because it's interesting. And I can imagine that our listeners right now are going through that and they're either like, oh, me, you know, wiping the how many of you off the screen? Yeah, the, oh, there's this. And the, oh, I've seen this. Um, one interesting that comes up anytime, you know, people provide the context of, oh, this is what we're dealing with. X number of teams offshore, this, that, the other amount of time. I, I've, I had a really good like kind of post credit scene once and people were like, wow, that's you basically described every element, you know, and all the sliders were a little different. Oh, team too big and this, that, the other. Yeah. And the thing that I like to think about from if we're setting up like this is okay. Part of it is how do we get here? Mm-hmm. Part of it is how do we get here where it's like, okay, we've heard about this way of working. That's interesting. And for those of you listening, you probably know Dave and I, this is something that we're both really excited about having both grown up in traditional project and program management, needing an, needing an alternative. Here's some cool things, but it's kind of like, how did we get here? Somebody heard something somewhere. And one of the common threads I seem to run into when I talk with organizations about this is that somebody thinks something is one thing and another party thinks something is something else. doesn't matter where they are in the organization, but spending that time on, oh, what is this thing? Are we even talking about the same thing? This is, this is a, it's more of a common thread that I realized. And, and I talk about that, that idea of a shared understanding and trying to get to that standpoint that's a good place to spend energy. And I have tactical stuff on that, but I'm going to hold on that for right now because I do have. So, so what, what you're do you, saying, just want to throw that back management is not, they don't have the same understanding of what it's going to mean to be agile or what it's going to take to, to change, to do it. A little right. bit of it, a little bit of okay. it. The, I think that the idea of, Oh, management slash leadership, somebody else, somebody up higher on the org chart, they're not on the same page as us. And while that might not be the case, with the executives that I've talked with and leaders in the right. organization, a lot of times they don't care about the mechanics. Yeah. They don't care about what they think starts. Like, can we just get some stuff done? And believe it or not, the, the, the source of consternation and where that misalignment happens right. is a little bit closer to where the work happens. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I'm starting to see over the last couple of years. So the thing that when you started talking, that kind of sparked up for me was I've been talking to a lot of folks who are looking for work, looking for mm-hmm. gigs, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're trying to find a job, you're trying to find a job. Like that's Absolutely. Really, you'll eat. take, if it's close, you'll take. <laughs> sweep, a sweep the floors, let's go. I'd work, in a, yeah. I'd work in an engine shop if I needed to. Right. But this is something I think people that want to work on Agile teams should consider. Like if mm-hmm. I was interviewing at this company, mm-hmm. this is a place that doesn't seem to me like it has structured itself in a way that can allow the teams to succeed with this type of work. Mm-hmm. Right. If management is saying you're going to do four to five week sprints, you're going to have 30 people on your team and, you know, most of them are going to be somewhere else and you're not going to have direct interaction with them. 
Um, this is an organization that also has a significant amount of technical debt to cope with. Um, you have to create the right kind of conditions for people to thrive. And I think that in this case, there's a lot that is working against the team's ability to be successful with this approach to work. Mm. Well, that's interesting because for our listeners out there, this is an organization that both Dave and I spend time with. So like yeah. different parts of it. And what's interesting about that is that I actually haven't seen an instance of leadership saying you have to do it this way. I've actually yeah. had conversations with these folks. Like they've even said, we're trying to take excuses off the table right. and want, want you to run with this. And what comes back from their staff is the, oh, we can't. Yeah. From, from either vocal and or influential people within the organization. And the folks that I've done the work with, they're excited about it. They want to try it out. And what I've seen as far, and which is actually a little bit inspiring, I've actually seen a spark and some momentum around this stuff where they have a very, very big investment and continued conversations in continuous improvement. Like yeah. what's important to us? How do we make decisions? We like, we want to learn as quick as we can. We want to fall forward, all this great stuff. And it's kind of like on the surface, on the cover of the book, you would be like, oh, management wants us to. But the moment you talk to everybody, it's like, no, like they're actually not telling them thou shalt. Right. It's, it's maybe someone somewhere is like, oh, I think it's this. And this is where, and, and sorry if this goes like, you know, this, I figure this is going to go wherever it is. But imagine the person who hears what they want out of like a comedy show. And then they come back and they say, let me go ahead and do this person's act. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Like if I'm telling the story about going to the buffet and eating yeah. like stacks of pancakes and then somebody who's a four foot six, 110 pound grandmother, <laughs> you can't tell the heavy guy buffet joke. So, right. so I, I think that there's a little bit of that in there with people so very confident in what they know when it's yeah. really the foundation's not there. Okay. So yeah. Delighting. I'm having a, no, no problem. problem. It's, it's almost like a disco. <laughs> there's some studio 54 going on. I think we're there. done. Super. She's up on the window. Ledge. Um, yeah, I think I agree with what you're saying. The leadership that I've talked to, they seem really open too. But this mm -hmm. is maybe another thing to consider. Culturally, mm -hmm. in the middle of this organization mm -hmm. is this lingering haze of perception that mm -hmm. you know they won't let us, we have to, we always. Mm -hmm. It's a very victim mentality. Um, I, I was hearing for a long time there that you know leadership doesn't get it. They, they're not trying. And I knew that they were all taking classes and a bunch of them were taking classes with you. And it's just like, well, they are, but if people don't, if people on the teams at the team levels don't, don't have awareness of the efforts that are being made and their freedom that they now have. And if they don't feel safe mm -hmm. taking advantage of it, right? If I, I mean, if I walked into this thing, I'd be like, well, we're not doing five week sprints anymore. <laughs> I mean, I would just flat out say, we're not doing that. We're not doing a 30 person team. It's easy for me to say that, but if somebody in that organization doesn't feel like they have the the freedom to make mm -hmm. that statement uh, or the safety to make that statement, then I think you have you have a much bigger problem than the fact that you're doing four week sprints. Yeah, it's it, this is kind of going back to what we said earlier about like the mechanics of things. Thou shalt do the with the interactions I've had with these people and they're, they're great folks, smart folks, you know, it's like, yeah. Hey, we're trying to do these, help our customers. It's almost like the mechanics piece of it kind of weighs people down. And, and I haven't, <clears throat> I've heard and watched like communication from leaders to the folks in the class. Look, we want you to try this stuff on for size. Like this is okay. And, and 
one leader was having a conversation with me and they were like, if you have something that we can at least have a conversation about, that would really help because then we can talk about it. It's like, yeah. it's all about fast feedback. And um, like one thing I say a lot of is I say, we, hey, we made this for you. What do you think? And I always hold up, I hold up my little canteen and say, hey, we made this for you. What do you think? And it's like, here's our collective work product, like the sum of mm -hmm. all of our work. Hey, we build this for you. Hey, take a sip. And I watched this one leader have, a, have an interaction with a whole bunch of their staff. And it was, I don't want you to go too far in the wrong way. And it's totally fine if it's not 100%. If it's 80%, we can at least talk about it, have a conversation and just keep that alignment going and keep that momentum. Hey, yeah. that's okay. And it's, it's not that it falls on deaf ears, but I think it's like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And then when you get back into the day to day, it's like, okay, what are the patterns that, that were around kind of the organizational antibodies that take over? This is what feels comfortable, any number of factors. And, yeah. and even though they've reiterated, I want you to show me something, not everybody always does that. So it's like, and yeah. I, it's not a, it's not a situation where people have been reprimanded, scolded, gotten in trouble. It's like, Hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. And, um, no, that's, that's some of the frustration that some of the leaders have shared with me. And I think that, you know, you're talking like you show, you show them the thermos and ask them what they think of it. Um, it's the same thing with the process. Yeah. If they say, let's start out with the five week sprint and after a sprint, you're like this isn't working. Did you tell them it wasn't working or do you feel like you have yeah. to do that? Like mm -hmm. that, the, the tragic thing about this place is that everybody yeah. I've met is trying really hard, but they're working real hard. Yeah. And, and it's going to take a long time because there's a lot of baked in dysfunction and legacy cultural stuff and historical stuff and, and regulatory stuff, but everybody has really good intention and everybody's trying, but I think yep. that there is somewhere in there, some kind of fracture in people's trust and ability to, to know that it's okay to say like, this is not going well for me or my team. And we want to try something else. Mm -hmm. um, and that I don't, I mean, maybe you, you have more insight into how you would change that. If you're not, at the leadership level, mm -hmm. you're on a team mm -hmm. um, or a co even a coach of a team. Mm -hmm. How do you signal the people upstairs like this is broke down other than just to be like, this is broke down? <laughs> well, that's one way. That's one way to go with it. You know, c communicating up, it's broke down. But but kind of a reframe of that is maybe a conversation around what kind of outcomes are we going for? And I mean something that I, I don't okay. mean smart goals and for all the people out there taking notes, no, but like, Hey, like, what is it like connecting or from both the, of the people taking notes? The, exactly. The both. There's just two people taking notes. Hi everybody, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, but the idea of, Hey, we're out working. I just wanted to, to hear again from you. What is it like you're hoping us to do? And I don't mean down in the weeds. It's like, Oh, we're trying to do this. We're trying to, you know, shrink time to delivery on this and be like, okay. And do kind of the, um, there's a line in Tron legacy where it's like, am I still to build the perfect system? God, um, like, okay. So you, are, is this where it's a movie that I love and you hate? Are we back to one of these? We are back to that. It's We're back to that. Okay. So let me change, let me change a film. disaster. You need to calm yourself. So one thing, by the way, that you'll know about Dave and I, we love 100% of things in the world. He loves one half and I love the other. We agree on a couple of things, but anyhow, but, but there's a statement, there's a line that says, am I still to build the perfect system? And it's like, uh-huh. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to move out as I see fit. The reason I mention that is that if, if you as a coach, a leader, someone working with a team, it's like, what is the outcome we're really going for? It's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm going to do my best then and give my best to get there, not get in the weeds. And people say, ask for forgiveness and not permission. 
if you're dealing with leaders who, if it's, I, I've heard, I don't care how you work. Yeah. I just want to see something. Well, then that means that you now can experiment and try. And it's like, why not run an experiment for a little while? But again, the heart of empiricism, we're taking a look at the system of working and the work itself. We're looking for variances in it, the rough spots, the results of experiments. Here's an experiment we ran. We did this and this is what happened. And what's the adjustment we want to make? Yeah. And we have to have that shared understanding of the system and the work itself. That's again, back to the breakdown. What I say here from a, from a, from a shared understanding standpoint, it's like, what is it we're trying to do? If someone's like, we're trying to maximize profit. No, no, no. We're trying to reduce costs. Wait, wait, wait. We're trying to get, start getting on the same page as some of that. And then yeah. actually understanding from all these mechanics stuff that you and I talk about, Dave, where it's like, oh, well, we want to do a five week sprint. Show me what went into that decision. Yeah. Like, 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 let's talk about what had the conversation go. And it was this, because like we talk about in class one month or less, well, we want to use five. Why? What yeah. factored into that? What are the things to consider about that? And be curious about those. So well, cause we do four weeks sprint, and then we need one week of testing when we're done. And then it goes to, yeah, again, <laughs> basics, but, but I'm, I'm yeah. wondering if like a curious nature of like, a, okay, you want me to go where over there? All right, cool. I'll figure yeah. it out because most of the time the leaders who are charged with that, they're paid to solve those problems where it's like, okay, like I'm going to go figure that out. So, and, you know, maybe they can borrow a page from the David Marquet stuff with like, turn oh. ship around and leadership as language. Because if yeah. you, if you say, we want you to be able to do X and we trust you to figure out your own way to do it, then that might open the door. I just, there's a part of me and I was listening to what you were saying. That's thinking it's almost like we need some sort of trauma therapist to come in and, and help the organization understand like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You can try. <laughs> try like, it out. Everybody here has the best of intentions, yeah. but everybody's scared or maybe not scared. Reluctant. Been, Reluctant. Yeah. They've been taught by the earlier version of this company and other places they've been. They've been taught it's not okay mm -hmm. to think and speak and act like a responsible thinking human. <laughs> I think this is just me just, just thinking about things and the interactions I've had. I don't know if it's as much the, they were told that, no, it's not okay. I'm wondering if it's a situation where, again, what kind of environment are we trying to build? Depending yeah. on the nature of the work, the personality types that come with it and a schooling standpoint and experiences leading up to this particular job, that all factors as well. I mean, bringing it back to, to like you and I, it's like, yeah. think of the, think of the phrases that you and I would say to our teams back, back in the day. Like I, I tell these stories to people like, you'd never say that, but I hundred percent would say that. It's means just my resources. There you go. I was going <laughs> to let you do that. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's called an alley-oop by the way, folks. Um, <laughs> but in, in, in these, I know, right. But in these heavy words and these ways of thinking, you know, we grew up on a way of working that was based inherently on a different set of values and principles. Yeah. And our behaviors were consistent with those. And then suddenly we get to a place that's, Hey, we want to try something else out. I'm not always believing that those values and system values and principles, the underlying one hasn't always changed because when everyone's you're hiring new people and saying, here's how we work, they say, okay, cool. There's a few people holding over, but they are not being able to pull as much levers to change everything. Yeah. Again, back to, back to the shared understanding thing. I can't tell you how many folks I've worked with across every organization. Most people say, I already know how to do this. And then I'm like, it's actually this and not that. And they're like, huh? And it's just like light bulb after light bulb after light bulb. I, I don't know about if that's what you're seeing, but the last eight years or so, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. I feel like I, I say, it's not that it's this. And they go, yeah. And then they do the same thing and tell me 
<laughs> but so I want to I want to go back a second to the yeah. the legacy way of working. So mm-hmm. I was just watching a video that they were uh, a mentor of mine was going off about Frederick Taylor and mm-hmm. and the impact of all that. How much work. time do we have on that one? No, well, kidding. hold on a second because no, I am not. now at a point in my life where I am standing up and defending Frederick Taylor. Oh, because that's a part two for everybody later on. We'll do that one. Go the ahead. work that he did solved a problem that we had at the time. Correct. And if he had not done that work, we would not have been able to teach farmers how to build ships as right. quickly as we were during World War II. But we don't have that problem anymore. But there is this legacy of, I mean, it's trauma in the mindset of organizations. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I'm not somebody who comes down on the culture is everything side of the No, argument, I, no, it's, it's a factor. But in this case, there's some cultural darkness cloud floating around somewhere that I don't think has been truly identified. And I think, I mean, to me, that would be maybe a source of the belief that that things, it's not okay to change stuff, if that Mm -hmm. is, in fact, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and we're not going to know, obviously. Um, Or if people don't feel like they have the agency to make that call. I think they have. I mean, I, like I'm thinking of specific interactions I've seen with people, large settings, small settings. It's like, I want you to try this and I'll see you in a certain amount of time. Let me know how it goes. And it's baby steps, but, but there is momentum. This is what I was saying before. I am inspired yeah. and, and excited about it where they're having conversations. They're trying some things out, you know, and it, these are some organizations. It takes a little while for that. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I tell everyone. I say, you're doing something that's better than doing nothing. And yeah. it's like, it's like, you're doing something, but it's, let's take a, are we actually doing that, that reflection on it, taking a hard look at it and saying, are we okay with it? And yeah. do we want to go ahead and pull a lever? And w- one friend of mine, not in this organization, he had a quote once and he was like, anytime anybody had a good idea, guess what they got more work. And, and we already have enough. <laughs> That'll work. learn you. And exactly. <laughs> so, so, so he's like, I stop, I stop trying to innovate. Cause like I didn't have enough room on my time card. That is yeah. not the case within this place that you and I are talking about right now. Yeah. Um, I've seen people become so human and so excited and you see the light bulbs go off and they're starting to try things out. And it's great to see bringing it back to what I was thinking before shared understanding. Yeah. The idea, the idea of unlearning is something that I spend a lot of time on and it's the way I like to talk about it. It's whatever a student, person, employee, whatever they're coming into a learning experience with, they, they're bringing their whole self and what they know about it. Yeah. And you're sharing something else. And that gap, our job as instructors is to build that bridge between what they know and yeah. what, whatever we're trying to add to it. Sometimes that gap is too big and you know, that's where we spend a lot of energy. But if someone is going to come in saying, oh, it's always this, oh, it's always this. And we're at the point of, of shocking them from a factual knowledge standpoint of actually it's this. And yeah. you're like, what? It's like, it's this. It, it can be very, very jarring. And the moment they realize how far they have to go, it's almost harder to, to add on that because the foundation of that house is so brittle. Yeah. So fa- shared under- that's why I'm always a big fan of shared understanding. See how big the gap is. Because, um, again, I have a tactical thing for well, you on that one later. But, but even, I, I think that that's a big factor here. Even when the gap is really big, like this is a place I've taught at for more than five years. And mm-hmm. I have seen a massive change in 
the people that show up at the classes, Yay. the way they engage with the material, oh, what they what they know, mm-hmm. the questions they ask, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's an evolution of the species of the company. <laughs> and it's for me, it's like I watch it and, and I see the things they complain about, and I'm like, you know what? Nobody's complaining about this anymore, or this anymore, or this. Anymore. Right, right. So right. I see change. That's great. But when you're in it and you're that close to the wheel, yeah. You can't see it. And so that, I guess, for the people that are working in companies where you're frustrated and you feel like stuff's not changing, is it that, it, you know, that's something I'd encourage people to ask. Is it actually not changing or is it that just it's not changing as fast as you want it to change? Mm-hmm. Um, or Shane we just Hasty forgot about all did, the good work we did. Yeah. Well, Shane Hasty and I did, did an interview one time and he said he thought it was going to take a whole generation mm-hmm. um, at least. I think it might take longer because of what's being taught right now in, in business schools and programs and online programs and this, and it's like, this is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's a good point. It's all these different ways of of thinking, you know, I don't know if you do the TikTok day of, you know, the new dance. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, (laughs) But, but it's, it's, if stuff is being propagated and it's, it's, Oh, this is what we think it is. Yeah. And again, that foundation's not there. You know, I think that's part of it. I think that in organizations where, um, I'm, I'm really big on like, we are the doers and you, you, we do the thinking, you do the executing. There's an aspiration of someday I'm going to tell people what to do. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to do what I can to get to that place of telling people what to do. This is not this organization. It's just, just holistically. And, and I think that that factors into it because you see, oh, you know, if I, if, if there's a lack of a sense of stability, balance, and I'll even say control in someone's life. Um, I mean, imagine a home, this is just a hypothetical situation. Imagine home is a little bit rocky. You know, you don't know where the next paycheck's coming for. Oh, there's a pandemic. There's a pandemic. (laughs) Um, You don't know what your commute is like. And it's like, I don't have balance or stability anywhere, but you know what? I do have a bit of that on this one project with four people because I can tell that one resource what he's working on on Tuesday at one o'clock. Yeah. And and we've always done it that way. So it is like, that's, that's a really good point. It's a very stabilizing thing for some people, even if, even if you're in pain, mm-hmm. it's a pain that you've known for a long time. Familiarity. You know how to work with it. Yeah. So, And it's not as scary as the unknown stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you're doing the best you can with what you got. That's, yeah. all, that's, that's what I always tell people. It's like you're doing something that's better than doing nothing. It's when was the last time you actually thought about it and thought about maybe running an experiment to try something out. And then, yeah. but along with that, thinking about what the variables are. I get people that are like, I tried this. And it didn't work. And I say, what's the reframe? It's, we tried this based on these conditions, these inputs, and these variables. This is what came out. For instance, like you said earlier, we tried Scrum with five teams, 30 <laughs> persons on a team, five different languages across 15 time zones, using a something, something, something with five-way, whatever. With no prioritization by the way, technique. No one's been taught before. We hired people yeah. off the street. We had <laughs> one program manager who taught everybody the thing. And guess what? It didn't work yeah. based on those inputs. Yeah. Maybe you had some challenge with it. So, so it's like, like okay. keto. <sighs> no comment. <laughs> so, so you want to, did you want to stay holistic or do we want to talk? No, I want to, I want to try to, what I was thinking maybe we could do is um, kind of rank these levels, these things, a couple of these points in level of severity, uh-huh. and then maybe talk about, is it something that needs to be fixed today? Hmm. And if so, what would you do? Because there's some of these things I figure are probably beyond the person's purview. And I mean, to be honest, it's probably not the low hanging fruit that I would jump for immediately. Roger. Um, like for me, 
I'll just pick one. So they have okay. this um, 35 person team mm -hmm. with a bunch of people offshore and some people onshore. I don't have any problem with the offshore part of it. I mean, you're going to have to spend more time communicating, but they do have a two hour overlap. So they should be able to work that out. Um, but I do think that that team is too damn big. And that is something that I would immediately try to change. It's a severity level of one for me on that. So that, no, sev one, that's a good one. Expanding on that and thinking from a reframe standpoint, there's, and for those of you who are listening at home, you will not, don't worry about getting the whiteboard out and starting to go, this is how we restructure our organization because every organization is a little different. Yeah. But, but one thing I always encourage organizations to think about is, oh, we need to do a team. And I do a lot of just like agnostic of the way of working teamwork type stuff. We've we found mm -hmm. some really great research on it and thinking about like, okay, from a team standpoint, using that complementary set of skills to actually doing things, what are the skills that we need to do the job? And so you need a little bit of clarity in the, what are the outcomes we're going for, but actually taking right. an inventory of, okay, what are the skills we need? Common misconception, you probably heard it too, is everyone needs to be an expert in everything. It's like, no, everyone might need to know how to send email. Right. So it's like thinking about the, what are the skills everyone needs to have? What are the skills that some of the people need to have? And just yeah. thinking about it that way can go a really long way. Cause like, does everyone need to know how this piece of technology works? Right. Probably not. But does more than one need to know? So someone yeah, can go cross functional doesn't mean everybody has the exact same. Skill. Yes, thank you. Again, Only folks, that's an alley -oop. Has to talk. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't that's the No, that's exactly. But it's a taking that skills inventory of like, okay, what is it we need to do the job, and that yeah. might inspire a little bit of taking a hard look at at job descriptions, at at you know internal performance management, outcome based things. I think there's a lot of things that that could spurn from that, but you have to start by taking a look and saying what do we have. And then yeah. saying, what do we need? Um, so I think that that's a good place to think of, because why do you have 30 when like you might be able to do that with a few people less? I'm not even going to say you could do it with four because they get it out of here. But yeah. like, do you have redundancy or do you have things? And and I want to touch base on a word you said earlier, but I want to stay here with this. That's just some thoughts that came up for me. Skill set. type. So you, you're saying the team has to be cross-functional, but like we do want a team that can produce shippable work. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's a, just for the person who sent this one, that's a non-starter. You need cross-functional teams. Yes. And when we say cross-functional, for those of you listening, it's, do we have the skills present on this group to actually put something in front of people? Common misconception and the things that Dave and I talk about is that, oh, these are just the coders and it goes over the, over the fence to some separate IV and V. It's right. like, no, these are people who would be working together where our mission is to put something in front of people and say, hey, we made this for you. What do you think? Yeah. So, so focusing on the skill sets that you need, take, take titles out of it. Be like, we need a little bit of this, a decent amount of this, a lot of this, the best in the world at this. And, and it's like, oh, okay. Like everyone needs to be able to check email. Okay. Everyone needs to be able to answer the phone. Okay. Working from that, what are some of the things that we need to do to do the thing yeah. and, and actually having a conversation about it? True story, a, a client did some reflection on that, did a skills inventory. They're like, wow, we have a gap. And it was, well, Chris, what do we do? I was like, have you ever asked for training? And they actually sent in a request to their talent group. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can hire an instructor for that. And everyone got trained up. I was like, and, and that's all it took. Folks, just ask. Do you want a refill on your soda? Hey, excuse me, can I get another Dr. Yeah. Pepper? Sure. And then and a, can I get extra cheese on that? Can I get extra cream cheese on that bagel? So, so you know, just ask. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're definitely not going to get it if you don't ask. Bingo.
Yeah. That's great. You're um, not going to get it if you don't ask. Okay. So, and, and one way to ask is, can we run an experiment? Can yep. we try for like, it's a, this is a pretty big company. Could we try for six months to break this 35 group or team or 35 person team into four teams? And just try it out. Each deliver shippable work and see what happens. Try it out. Um, okay. What yep. about the teams, the fact that the teams are working on over 30 different applications? Mm-hmm. This is, and this is. And, and trying yeah, to use Scrum. What's that? And trying to use Scrum. And trying to use Scrum. Our version of Scrum or somebody else's version of Scrum? It's Scrum-ish. Scrum-ish, okay. Let's keep Scrum out of it just for a second. Um, this actually goes well about the thing I heard earlier because you said utilization. Mm-hmm. And and for those of you who, who come from the same vintage that Dave and I do, that word utilization comes up quite a bit. So I, I tell people, I was like, I used to wear the dark navy suit and squeeze all of the utilization I could out of that spreadsheet. It's like, why is there why is there no more blood coming from this stuff? Um, <laughs> The, the joke we always say is, have you ever seen a highway at 100% utilization? You know what it looks like? It looks like a parking lot. So yeah. I find it interesting that people are chasing the idea of utilization when it's, it doesn't matter what you're working on as long as you're working. And so it's like someone somewhere has been charged with making sure that every hour is filled. These are the people you have to have a conversation with and get a better idea of what success looks like. Um, this is where it's like, I don't blame people. I look at how can we help these people? Um, yeah. Cause someone somewhere has probably been charged of, you need to make sure all of these 30 people are filled up all yeah. the time. And we, we had someone once where, where the, the challenge was it, all the work filtered down, like you said, like 30 application, whatever. Imagine that situation where all of the work filtered down to like a group of four people. Mm-hmm. So this group of four people actually doing the work. So like, this poor group of people that came to me and they said, Chris, why do I have to go to this one planning meeting? I'm in planning for two days straight. And I'm like, why are you in that? It's like, well, we have planning for project one and then planning for project two and planning for project three and planning for project four. And I'm like, huh? And they said, and our days are, we do our alignment conversation for project one and it rolls into project two and a project three, but it all rolled down to the same people. And the lever to pull here from a tactical standpoint is okay. Bringing it back to scrum. The concepts of product ownership are weak here. They are not understood. Uh, yeah. Somebody hasn't been put in the success. There's a lack of training. Again, shared understanding of the framework as a whole. So instead of having, imagine if that's 30 different backlogs, product backlogs, why isn't it just one with real strong product ownership? And yeah, you might have a bunch of stakeholders out there, but if it all rolls down to the same team of five, why don't we have that? And it's like, oh, we could do that. It's like, why not try that experiment? And and we we in this one client, we were able to save this group of people from going to everything in triplicate or more yeah. and put someone in a chance to succeed. And so when I hear though, we have to do in 30 things, it's like, okay, there's a funding angle. And I don't, I don't want to go super down that road, but, but you're that, not, that's the you're first not thing going to actually do 30, 30 different things. You're going to do like a couple little here, little here, little here, yeah, little here. And that, yeah. that to me, I think goes back to the idea of being transparent about prioritization. Yep. You know, Product ownership. Um, across the organization, how do we know what the most important things to the company are? Mm-hmm. How do we decide, yeah, that project's nice, but it's not, we're not doing it. I mean, that that's the thing is you're not going to do most of it anyway. So you just have mm-hmm. to be brave and say no. Yeah. But and- I think you're right there. There's, I don't actually, I don't want to say there's a lack of product ownership. I want to say there's a lack of clarity around what product ownership is. And That's what, what I mean. Yeah. I'm going up a higher the, level. Like, like yeah. the concepts of product ownership are weak 
maybe someone hasn't but and again going back to what you said before of maybe someone either hasn't given the opportunity to step in that role to shine or they haven't gotten the training or the tools or the support they need to do that or it's a risk and it's something new i don't want to get in trouble running an experiment but but in that angle like you just said we don't want to do this imagine if you're that group of five or six and hey if you're out there folks i I feel you i was that and you got 30 different voices saying i want you to work on my sev one ticket yeah how much is it going to cost? Because if I throw enough money and noise and emails at my thing, I'm going to get my text box added to my report on page screen. Well, above, you know, it brings is there one person at the point. gate? They have hmm? a bunch of those secret black ops projects going on. Bingo. That, that's got to stop. Yep. No, I mean, absolutely. That, another non-starter there. That's just got to stop from the top of the food chain all the way down. Same page. Got to get on the same page on what's going yeah. on. Okay. Yep. I got two more. Yeah, hit it. All right, four to five week sprint. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Uh, it breaks my heart whenever we go outside of the bounds of whatever okay. it is that we talk about, because I like to think about it in a way of, okay, before any of this this idea of scrum and sprints showed up, it's like, okay, there were there were efforts that I would work on where we wouldn't have conversations 12 to 18 months in. Yeah. I don't know if you remember those, but it's like, I remember one yep. 18 months before I handed they over always the five million dollars. I'm not happy. Yeah, always. So in organizations like that, when you think about, hey, imagine if we're starting to have conversations with the people whose lives we impact mm-hmm. once a month. It's like, wow, that feels like light speed. What if we had a conversation about, oh, what if we actually had conversations reflecting on how we work and make those adjustments to make our lives better doing it once a month? What about that? Wow, that's amazing. Well, that's the idea of this setting aside one month or less. Mm-hmm. the challenge that happens when I see organizations that go three weeks, that's always the big red flag for me, three weeks works or five weeks. It's like, why was that made? Because a lot of the pushback will come is, okay, our conversations are so painful in planning, mm-hmm. in alignments, in, in, in refinement, you name it, where it's, I want to space these out as much as we can. So back to the understanding angle, do you know what planning would look like if we were running on shorter cycles, if we were having this inspection and adaptation once every week or every two weeks, again, back to the experiment thing. Most of the time, what I see when people like, we need a longer sprint, we need more tickets done in the sprint. Sprints are just checkpoints in time, folks. You're just saying, hey, we made this for you, what do you think? But if I'm in that situation where every meeting I go to is miserable, and you're telling me that I'm gonna have this meeting that's miserable more often, I wanna make a choice that says, let's have that meeting as as least as possible. And I think that might be a symptom there where it's like planning might be bad. There maybe refinement might not be happening. And if you have to do things times 30, like you were saying earlier, I think that might be what it is. So I'd say one month or less, let's try that out. Or then working with the people who made these scheduling decisions and coming up with some alternatives. What could this look like? What could this look like? I actually do a workshop where it's like, what would a one-weeker look like here? What would a two-weeker look like here? Okay. What are some of the benefits we get from it? What are the challenges? What's in the way? Why can't we run this experiment right now? Okay. Who do you need to talk to to make it happen? And it's like, oh, I just need to ask Michael. Hey, Michael, can we do this? Sure, I don't care what you do. And it's like, yeah. the excuse is off the table, everyone. Go do well, it. Okay. Well, exactly. <laughs> so I um, I'm sure there's exceptions to this. Yeah. But in my experience Mm -hmm. i have never seen a place that really needed a three or four or longer week sprint Mm -hmm. i see places that don't know how to break their work down 
into small enough pieces. And so my counter to we need a four week sprint is, okay, well, what if you only had two weeks? How would you break this work up so you could get something shippable in two weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I, it's one of those arguments, like I'm just never willing to move off of that one. I don't blame you on that. No, we, someone who's uh, basically the smartest person I know, and she has purple and red hair, and you may have seen her once in a while. Uh, she, she actually, with one of the clients we were talking to, uh, by the way, I'm talking about our COO. Um, she's a coach in her own right and an executive herself. She actually had two amazing questions when she was talking to one of our clients. It was, can I see what a backlog item looks like here? And can you describe to me what planning looks like here? Yeah. And just that alone, it was like, oh, because it's like, oh, here's like the the book and the pages. And then like, here's this like miserable planning. So it's like, okay. It's like, you can tell so much how a backlog item is written. Kind yeah. of what we were saying earlier about the concepts of product ownership, the idea of breaking down work from a prioritization standpoint. Oh, I have to write it all down. So you just execute. Can't you just do what you're told? So the, a lot comes from there. So maybe from a tactical standpoint, folks out there, taking a look at what your backlog items look, this assumes that you are using Scrum and that you understand the fundamental concepts of the product backlog um, and that, uh, you know, you're on the same page about that stuff without starting to teach a CSF. But that's just some thoughts I had, Dave. So do you, just a side question here. Ah. When people in class ask me about a mid sprint review, Uh like that, I don't think I've had anybody like even get to the end of the question before. I'm like, nope, you need shorter sprints. They want to have a check-in point halfway through the sprint to let people know how it's going and get some feedback on their work. I'm like, that's two sprints right there. Mm-hmm. You ended a sprint. You just didn't acknowledge it. Do you, do you, can you counter that? Can you push back on that one? I push back on all of it. I'm a big fan of what it is, what it's not. Okay. Here's something that it is. Here's what it's not. And, and one thing that we've actually, we got a lot of feedback during the pandemic, things that really helped some of our clients. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've really focused in on very clear language about let's define a concept or a term, whatever it might be, and then show what it's not and explain why this is why it's not. And then okay. we take it even a step further and say, here are some of the common behaviors that we see. We talk about the concept of anti-patterns. These are things that seem like a good idea on the surface, right. but really they're very counterproductive and harmful. But we don't say, just don't do that. Like, like I don't even, they don't even ask the question when they work with me. You've seen me work where it's like, oh, he's putting it out there already ahead of time. But it's like, here's this behavior you might see. And then I right. say, this is why it's bad. I okay. say, this is what are some of the negative impacts of it. Here are some of the values and principles that are violated. Here are some of the potential causes of this behavior. Right. And here are some of the areas you can focus in on. And I touch base in one learning experience. We do 18 of them all wow. throughout the class, like, like spread out. And I had a client come to me and they said, Chris, we are 18 for 18. We do all of that. But I don't ask them, hey, do you do a mid sprint review? I would yeah. do something like, here's a behavior we would see, the mid-sprint review, the internal sprint review. I would explain, this is why it's bad. Here's some of the negative impacts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And right. then I don't know their environment. And so it's less of a less personal like swipe. Yeah. It's not judgmental. I'm like, here's something we see. And I say, you may never have seen this, but you might down the road. And I want you to have this information in your toolbox. Yeah. And And we've seen a tremendously positive reaction to this, where it's, you didn't tell me you eat like 15 pieces of pizza for breakfast. I'm saying, Hey, you might want to consider not eating a lot of pizza for breakfast. And you didn't even tell me that. So it's like, I'm not the jerk here. Yeah. yeah. So, so we've gotten a lot of 
help with that. And also from non-native English speakers. Okay, cool. So, so that's, that's kind of, as far as like the, the, here's a practice that we do that we know is outside of bounds. Will you validate this? It, it's not even something that comes up yeah. for me anymore, just in from how we're delivering some things. Okay. Um, but that's not saying I wouldn't, you know, I'm obviously going to listen to it and I would explain in them kind of in that, okay. that framework I was talking about of here's some of the reasons why this is a bad idea. Yeah. Here's some of the violations from values and principles. Cause I think just they're required. Yeah. Stop. That's, that, that, that doesn't help. I give them a little bit more meat. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Last one. Yeah. A one hour sprint planning meeting for a four to five week sprint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't even get that out. Yeah. One hour sprint. Let's see. Let's just narrow it down. A one hour sprint planning meeting for even a two week sprint. How do you feel mm -hmm. about that? I'm, I'm curious. That's the first thing that comes up to me. Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm curious about it is I would say, okay, first I'm curious about how the conversations and backlog refinement went, you know, and mm -hmm. that continuous act of actually working on things. So I'm curious about how that interaction between product owners working with their developers on that. That's where I'd be interested in. The second part I would be interested in is, can I see maybe some of, uh, some of the design of the session a facilitator might've put into around the three different topics about that. Okay when did we actually come up with that? Why is the sprint valuable to our customers? What's the reason our time is valuable? Do, do you try to write that at the beginning, in the middle or the end? Cause some scrum masters do it differently. Mm -hmm. When was the suggestion of backlog items? When was the selection? How did they come up with things? And you want to know what it always ends up a lot of time, Dave, it ends up with, Oh, I'm sorry. Our tech lead already preloaded all of our <laughs> tickets into this thing, the other, and, and, and folks, that's not how any of this we is committed supposed to, to work. The sprint. But that's, I had a client that said proudly, we get out of sprint planning in 15 minutes. Why? Because we did it already ahead of time. Why? And That's, folks, I get that. I get that too. I get, uh, <laughs> well, we do it in an hour because we do all the tasking and backlog refinement. So we don't waste time in sprint planning. And, and again, <laughs> why, but we don't want to waste time. I talk about, I talk about all these conversations and I say all these, all these events. And by the way, for those of you listening out there and Dave, I feel strongly about this one. For those of you listening out there, these are called events not ceremonies. Ceremonies are, are repetitive and soulless. Oh, Start having conversations about, about it. And these are all very different conversations with its own goal, roster, time box, and intent. When I say intent, I say, what does it feel like? Like, what does a conversation feel like? And it's like, if you are bleeding over from X to Y to Z, people are like, oh, I don't care about the rules. I want to bend the rules. If you feel that you're going to the same meeting day after day after day, it's going to feel like reruns and you're going to want to fast forward. So it's like being disciplined about what makes this event different than this event. Are we talking about the right thing with the right people at the right time? And if we're not, hmm, this requires more discipline than most people realize. So I'm going to get into a dangerous area here because when no, Chris no. and I disagree on things, sometimes it gets a little off the rails. Did you know that Quadrophenia is a wonderful album? It, it is an amazing album. There you go. Um, that's not going to stop me from saying this. So <laughs> I believe in the term ceremonies because, mm -hmm. and I like that term mm -hmm. because it, to me, it, it gives a tone of a ritual that we go through mm -hmm. and a formality, even though mm -hmm. it says they're informal, mm -hmm. there's a mm -hmm. beginning and an end to a daily scrum. And I think Fair. you should call that out. And I think Fair. it should be at the same time. So for me, it's, I like the, I think we both like the same thing. It's mm -hmm. the usage of the word, Roger um, that. but I would say if you're doing a one hour sprint planning meeting, either 
somebody else is deciding everything that's going to happen, or you're doing all the work in sprint planning before sprint planning, mm-hmm. or you're one of those teams that's like, yeah, well, we keep carrying work over because we, we realize we don't understand it when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to waste time in sprint planning figuring it out. So we wait till the halfway through the sprint and we're like, oh, crap, we don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> like, it's, so much of this stuff is just like simple common sense. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I just, I feel like one of the, you know, the, 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 the yeah. three stooges thing. I can't do the three stooges. No, no, no. It's okay. No, the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, it, it's, it's, again, if there's a lot of work going around things and it's, there's time on your calendar and you're putting in work and you're spending personal batteries to have to jump in and then we have the cameras and all that, you're going to feel tired. You're like, if I'm doing this work and it, ta- it feels like a drag, I want to, I want to solve problems. I don't want to be in doing this. Yeah. And so again, shared understanding. Do we know what conversation we're supposed to be having? Like, what's the outcome we're going for? Are we talking about the right things? Did the correct conversation happen prior to this? Like in the overall holistic view of the system, have the things that are supposed to have occurred to this point in time that allow us to take a look at it? Yeah. Are those there? And well, if it's not there, then what do we do? I, I had a scrum master once over coffee um, was describing how they run drive their daily scrum and it was like okay you talk okay you need to take that offline okay you talk okay now you're gonna have five and a half seconds okay you talk and we're talking i was like hey exactly i was like hey how do you think the conversations around your sprint goal went and they're drinking coffee they're like chris what's a sprint goal yeah and so we talked about it a little bit i said well remember in the conversations and this is somebody who had gone to class and i'm like remember you have the conversations this and coming up in that one sentence that was what happened during sprint planning so like you know, like, how did those go during sprint planning? And they, they took a sip of their coffee and they put it down and they went, what's sprint planning? And, and it, it's, again, the people are pulling pieces out. And this is just the 30-second rant. It's like, you're doing the best you can with what you got. And the thing I always tell people is that if you pull enough pieces out of this system and that works for you, that's fine. Just don't call it scrum. That's the only thing I care about. Just don't call it scrum. And, and when people just flippantly say, oh, we can just pick and choose. We're agile. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is how I eat. You know, it's, 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 it's just really, it's really a head scratcher when again, people have an idea of what something is not have a shared understanding with the people around them and ultimately have a, a preference or a draw to work in a way that's built on an inherently different set of values and principles well, that I are in it's conflict. Probably, but it, so to cut them some slack, no, I'm kind of uh, we've slack, all but been that, we've all been this people. It's part of the yeah. learning process. It is Absolutely. frustrating. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I could have like one animated thing that could in real life pop out of my head, it would yeah. be the hockey coach from Letterkenny kicking the trash can when people ask questions like that. Because <laughs> that's all I can think of every single time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I guess the other thing just to add here is that mm. if you're on a team and you're not reflecting on whether or not that one hour sprint planning meeting is working or you're not stopping to ask like why are we carrying work from one sprint to the other it's scrum is not about an agile it's not about just delivering work the th- the core of it is it's a relentless pursuit of improvement in how you engage with other humans and it, if you're not taking the time to do that the rest of it doesn't matter at all it's just it's not going to work yeah yeah so this was, that's, we didn't, I thought we were going to fight a little bit more. No, that's, why would I fight with you? Oh, did you want the tactical, the, the good takeaway? Little takeaway? Yeah, let's have a good okay, takeaway. So, 
good little good little takeaway I would throw out to all of you. If you're still listening, by the way, you know, thank you. I mean, you're probably, you're going to tune into some guys talking about you know, you know, which you recording can of Steely Dan. You can thank Chris by sending him a Rush CD. Oh my goodness! Oh, I can't get <laughs> enough of that. I can't get enough of that. Uh, by the way, there's no Rush in my house. Anyhow, so yeah. my Rush fans, they all just tuned out. This is a, a helpful, a helpful little uh, kind of conversation starter for people out there. Um, the challenge people have is, oh, so and so wants me to do this. Kind of like you're saying, four or five weeks, whatever it is. You can start by being a little curious and look for that one-on-one -on -one conversation where you're like, hey, so and so. Like I'd say, hey, Dave, I just wonder if I could get a little bit of your time. You'd be like, sure. You sit down and be like, Dave, I'm I'm trying to learn a little bit more of some things, and I wanted to hear your perspective on what a sprint is how long it should be, what are some of the choices we have? I wanted to hear from you. Is it okay if I can hear from you? Because I know if one thing anybody in an organization likes to do is answer a question they were given like that, what do you think? Yeah. And then you can hear from them and be like, oh, okay, well, I think I have an idea of some challenges that we're having because from what I understood, it was this. From what I saw in our class, it said here, oh, from our internal, it's this. So I think that that's the challenge of some of the, some of the problems I'm having. Yeah. Could we work together to maybe figure out like how I can, you know, bridge that gap or get to that same place, but you let them go first from a place of curiosity. You don't do that. Well, gotcha. It says here that you don't do that. I, I had someone who tried, no, no, no. You're like, oh, well, I thought, what did you think it was? Oh, well, this is what I thought it was. And I saw it here. So there's some misalignment here. Can we talk about maybe like, just talk about that for a little bit. We don't even need to solve it right here, but just to call that out and talk about it and get the conversation going that way. And by the way, folks, if you're going to try that conversation, don't do it with an audience. That's a one-on-one. -on -one. Just a little, just a little tactical. Just to, I think it's great advice. Um, I also think that if that person you're talking to just blanketly shuts you down, mm -hmm. then that is the point where you get to decide how you want to spend your eight hours a day. Do you want to see what that job or do you want to go get a different job? There you go. I'm a, I, I never, I never go in front of our private clients and say, go quit. I never say, like, Chris Lee did say go quit. Um, but it's, I, I tell everyone, I, I want them to be around people who deserve their energy and think about things the way they do and work on the problems that get them excited as well. And yeah, you want to try to find people that kind of embody those same values and principles the same way you do, or, you know, help complement yours and help you raise your game. Because if it's a uh, if it's a uh, running into you know challenges everywhere, people people eventually get tired, and well, it's like I want to be around people who who kind of inspire me and charge me up rather than yeah. You know. I don't want to encourage people to quit either, but I do mm. want. I also don't want people to go through life like oh they're making me do this. They're making. It's not like the people Absolutely. from your company came and got you out of bed and dragged you there in the morning. <laughs> you made a choice. Yeah, you own that choice, and yeah. you decide. I mean, if that if you're willing. Great. If you're not willing, great. No it's one's handing me that Rush CD. I'm going to find a way to get a Rush CD. And if, you if you, if, please, by all means, <laughs> do not. Please, by all means. All right. Please, by all means. Chris, thank you very much for your help with this. And hopefully thank for you, the person man. who sent this in, that we were able to give you something useful. Absolutely. Um, so, if Chris, if, I know you said it earlier, but if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about your coaching work or your teaching work or any other stuff you do, your voice of God for conferences. Um, <laughs> what's the best way for them to track you down? Uh, a number of ways. Uh, so the company website, sparkplugagility.com is a great way to get 
kind of introduced to some of our offerings. But for me, people are like, I want to talk to you. LinkedIn, I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. And by the way, as Dave might, will fly out an overlay. It's Chris Lee, L-I, with, with an I, not L-E-E. Uh, if you, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, very easy to find that way to, to interact with. Uh, I do a lot of speaking at different meetups and stuff like that. So if you just Google Chris Lee Agile, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff come up. But uh, sparkplugagility.com, that website and my LinkedIn profile are two of the easiest ways. And also, like I said, I'm pretty active on Twitter too. So cool. easiest ways to get in touch with me. And by the way, if we're ever in the same place, it's like, oh, you were busy. I'm always talking to people. Please feel free to tap me on the shoulder. And if you see Chris and I together, talk to Chris. Yes, yeah, by all means. If you see Dave and I talking together, um, Chris talk is to my, me. Chris talk is my me. extrovert shield. <laughs> I provide an iron curtain of safety for all yes. of my introverted friends. And that's something that also, just as a little little cherry on the Sunday, that's the other thing to consider with all these meetings and people trying to, oh, we only want one minute. It's like, not all the consideration is put into where people's energy comes from. Yeah. And it's like, if I know that your gas tank is low and I'm keeping you in a four hour, five hour, eight hour meeting, they might be just done at the end of it. So it's like, have you as a facilitator considered the people that you're asking for their time and respected them and yeah. respected it? Cause it's like, why in the world would I want to do that to somebody who can just being in the room or calling to order a pizza might take all their energy for the day. Yep. You got to think about that. Cool. Thanks man. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank all you. Right. Jobs to make that switch from old to new